All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Fair Chase Podcast. We're happy that you're here. We're happy that you're ready to start learning. Before we dive into this episode, you know, we got to talk about a few companies that help make this possible and some of the companies that we back personally because we believe in them. Now, first up is HuntWise. There's a lot of mapping software and apps out there, and the best one that we think is is definitely HuntWise. I mean, they've got so many cool features that some of the other ones don't have, especially this HuntCast that we use every single time before we go out in the woods. Our, I mean, our time is precious. we got to know when's the best time to go out. And instead of searching around on all the, the weather sites and checking out all the details, you can go right to the HuntWise app, put it in your location, and you're getting local wind, local predictions based on where your stands actually are, and it helps you actually choose the best stand so you're not wasting any time and you can get right in there and hunt that buck you're after. Go visit HuntWise.com. So James and I have shot different bows from different manufacturers, and we all, every time we shoot them, we always go back to primes the reason is they're just so shootable and we're just so accurate with them they're super stable and they just came out with the new revix 2 4 and 6 is their brand new bow for 2023 hunting season g5prime.com so next up we got vector arrows this is a company that has just blown me away with their ability to help the customer out. Basically, you don't have to go through and, and find your shaft weight and spine strength charts anymore. You don't gotta deal with any of that. Basically, you go to the website, you put in your draw weight, your draw length, your tip weight, and they basically build the perfect arrow for you. No guessing, no questions. And then you can customize them. They got a bunch of different options. You can shoot the HMR or the ZMR. These things are sweet and they seriously are some of the best arrows in the industry. And they've got a zero failure guarantee. So if you break it or bend it, they're gonna replace it. So if you wanna save yourself 10% on that, head over to Vector Custom Shop and use the code TFC10. There's been a lot of hype around tree saddles. Some of you might be hesitant to even try one. These things are awesome. If you ever wanted to try one, Trophy Line Tree Saddles make the best saddles in the industry. They're super comfortable, they're adjustable, and the new Venatic saddle, we were able to get our hands on it a couple months ago and it just seriously blew us away. So if you want to get into the saddle game, go over to trophyline.com. You can save yourself 10%, use the code TFC10, get into the saddle game, it's gonna change the way you hunt. James and I like to go tromp around on public land and one way we're able to do that is to have good footwear. Uh, we used to lug around in, in rubber boots, and by the end of the day, we'd have sore feet, and it'd be, it'd be a mess. But we finally decided to get some good boots and partnered with Lathrop & Sons. These boots are so nice. They fit your foot perfectly. They've got Synergy foot pads that are made to you know, form around your foot. These guys take the time. There's years and years of research and design and how to create the most comfortable boot. Go check out Lathrop & Sons. Last but not least, Vortex Optics. These guys have some of the best glass in the industry. Binoculars, rangefinders, spotter scopes. We love them. We've got it on our rifles. We use our rangefinder all the time. They also make clothing lines every quarter. James and I are practically wearing a piece of Vortex apparel every day. Everything is high quality. They come out with new items usually every quarter. So spring, summer, winter, fall, they've got new lines and new clothing coming out. Check this stuff out. And if you want to save yourself 20%, head over to Vortex.com, head to the apparel page, and save 20% with TFC20. Welcome to another episode of the Fair Chase Podcast. Um, as everybody knows, uh, we're in a special series right now about getting right for deer season. And so selfishly, I, I decided to, to start this just because sometimes it's helpful to know 
what you need to be doing in the summer. It's an important time to get ready for, for the fall. And um, selfishly, I thought, well, I'll just grab all the experts I know, pick their brains, and I'll be that better off in the fall. And so I hope that's the case for you too, because it, it's certainly been uh, the case for me so far. Um, if you followed along so far, we've talked uh, physical training. We've talked uh, physical training with Todd Baumgartner, Gardner, uh, just how to get your body ready and and prepare for deer season. Uh, we talked with Chris Derrick uh, from Sitka about how to layer and stay comfortable. As as everybody here knows, um, that is one. It's one thing to be comfortable when it's you know fifty five degrees out, but when it's uh, ten degrees and driving wind and rain and snow or whatever. Um, it makes a difference. So some great stuff so far. Um, but, you know, going on the the gear, uh, I guess, bent around uh, at this part of the series, I thought after doing your clothing layering, it, it's it seems logical to talk about boots next. Um, and so what I wanted to do today is bring Stephen Lathrop on from Lathrop and Sons. So, Stephen, thanks again for, for joining me. Thank you for having me on. So um, I'm going to run through some questions, basically some some uh, basics around boots for people right now who are trying to figure out what they need to do for the uh, for the fall. So there's people that listen to our podcasts from all over the country. Um, and so, you know, before we jump into some specific questions I have, you want to explain the importance, like why is it important to have a good pair of boots for, for something like whitetail hunting? Because sometimes people will say, hey, it's just whitetail. I mean, I can, I only walk, you know, 500 yards to my stand. But why are boots still important for, for a guy like that? Well, really, because as you well know, you know, whitetail season is year round. We're not, it's not just going and hanging a stand and hunting. Prior to starting this podcast, we were just talking about failed food plots and replanting food plots, and all that requires effort, walking, doing things like that. So, you know, footgear as a whole for the whitetail hunter is just as important as it is for the guy that's a western hunter that's doing shed hunting and doing it. When you go full circle with whitetail bank, it's a lot of manpower. It's a lot of, you know, boot leather on the ground, too, you know. Um, even slow impact scouting, you're still paddling and not doing that. So, you know, and, and what comes to mind big time for me, because James and I are really avid whitetail guys. This is, I mean, we both started, I was 15, James was 14, but so we live this. I mean, walking across frozen fields. To get into a stand, I get it. Everyone wears rubber. A lot of guys wear rubber boots, but I think that you can also appreciate the fact that different times of the year, your your hunting techniques and and the way that you're approaching some of your setups and how far you're going to infiltrate that secret area or how far you're going to nudge out dictates how much boot leather's on the ground. But yeah, yeah, it's super important in in what we need everyone to understand is because I fall into this on a daily basis with guys. There is not one boot and there is not one boot system that will take you from the beginning of the season to the end. But what we will see and what we can touch on during this is it goes full circle. And I think you would agree with me on that. It goes full circle. Your footwear that you're probably going out and trimming out your stands. I don't know how your motor's running, but my, right now I'm thinking, okay, I'm finishing up the spraying on my food plot. I'm going to go in and I'm going to top dress with some soybeans. 
We're going to get four days of rain. That's it. I'm not wasting any more time going to the next phase of bike tail season, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for me, it's, you know, a lot of it's like, well, I got to find a new place to go. I have to go and find new buck hidey holes that I didn't know about. I, I try to do that every year. I'm hoping to add spots and spots and spots so that come middle of October when my spots seem dry, it's like, oh, I've got this, you know, area that I've kind of identified for later or I've been saving it. Um, and so, yeah, no, boots are incredibly important. You can think that, you know, a couple hundred yard walk is is not that much but with ill-fitting boots and um and boots that aren't made for walking like and doing this kind of walking like it you pay the price and i've used all sorts um, from great boots to not so great boots and they, they make a difference um so Stephen, when i'm thinking about two different two different guys in the summer um and we'll start with the first guy the first guy is the type of guy who's got great boots maybe he bought them last year bought them two years ago or whatever doesn't have a lot of miles on them they're 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 they seem to be good to go so this guy's got these pair of boots maybe he beat the tar out of them in the fall in the winter um what are you telling him to do now to get his boots ready uh for deer season how should he be maintaining them you know we're 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 doing a lot of talking and it's coaching right and i get it they didn't go to school to be the boot expert we need to be pulling those boots out tugging the laces out of them taking a a upholstery brush or a coarse brush knocking the dirt dust off of them air compressor blow everything out you know, the boot has the gusset, which is the ton of pulls for blowing that area out where we got all that um, weed seed, right? It always collects in there. And, the mud and, the yep. and, that, it, and normally that, that tongue and gust area is very thin, so it's it's kind of fragile. It, it's yep. the more luxurious, thinner material, so it's conforming to the top of the foot. And you're blowing that out, and then and then we're we're going to condition that boot. And I know a lot of people get freaked out about scent and the rest of it, but I don't know. Um, I can't say that that's really ever been a problem for me. Now I, I clearly don't try to go out and walk in front of my tree stand. Right. I'm thinking I'm going to get a shot. Right. Um, I'll kind of slip in the back and go up, and everything's fresh and clean out in front of me. But, you know, conditioning and waxing that leather is ultra important, right? That, yeah. so that's a good start. And, hey, why not go ahead while you're at it and pull your insole out of that boot or whatever aftermarket insole out of that boot, get all the debris out of the toe box area, make sure you don't have any critters or spiders in there. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. And that, that's what I've been doing a lot of, you know, spraying some conditioner on there, some yeah. waterproofing stuff. Um, we, we end up doing that throughout the year just because you know the summer like you said i'm i'm putting a lot of miles on anyways um and, and everybody listening to this podcast should be putting on miles right now whether it's working your your food plots or like i said scouting for new areas and in a couple of weeks we're going to bring on someone to talk a little bit about that but needless to say like boots should be a year-round thing you're using um and one of those pieces of gear that that you're, you know, you're, you're always, you kind of always have it available because there's, there's really no time where, where you shouldn't be doing it. So, um, so, okay, Stephen, so you've got boots, you're maintaining them. How do you know though? Like they look, sometimes they look raggedy. Like, how do you know when they, either it's tar, time to toss them or when they're just kind of still, still good? Like what, what, what things should people look for when they're trying to figure out what to do with their boots? Well, so, so here's the, Here's the first thing, and, and quite honestly, it, it's really could be dangerous. If you if you ran a set of boots 
and the lugs on the bottom of the boot uh, really started to get rounded from years of of, uh, of wear. We're entrusting a lot. I don't care if you got a harness on or not. You're going up on some of these pegs or, or screwing steps or some of these climbing sticks. And a rounded lug on one of those sharp edges on that, it could be a slip. And, you know, you might get caught through after a three-foot fall. It's going to scare the heck out of you. Yeah. You may slam your head in the steps, split your forehead up. And so you want to look at the outsole to make sure that the outsole of the boot still has some squared off edge to it, right? That's that that squared off edge is going to have a tendency to grab and provide you a little bit more of a safety feature. Uh, the other thing that you can do too is to is to look at the upper. And the way that we do this is to set the boot on a flat table, work surface, and then squat down behind it and then visualize the lower plane of the boot. So we're looking at the okay. bottom, the bottom of the sole, like on that tabletop and we're looking to see if we're getting the tilt the tilt of the upper in and out and some guys just blow that side out when you when you really roll that upper over the side of the sole long enough you start pulling on the seam tape of the booty and the more that you pull on that seam tape you'll actually lift that seam tape or pop it pop a little spot up it basically has come delaminated there. Water ah. find a way in and in and get into the boot. That that's essentially how that works. And a lot of people think, oh, that boots this and that. No. You know, it's it's usually a same case lead. So so looking at these things can have you prepared going into that, you know, again, the outsole, the wear pattern of the boot, how that affects the comfort of your legs and your knees and your hips. <laughs> and then, you know, that wearing of the boot, you know, just recapping what we're talking about, that wearing of the boot, if you're not careful and you've worn a season like that, you pulled, you pulled and strained the upper of the boot and you can damage it. Well, and that's, I've, I've had, I, I always know when that happens because the moment that water starts leaking in my boots, it's like, that's usually the case or that's usually what's happening to my boots in the past when it's like, oh, time to get a new one. I just still think of, so um, this isn't with boots. These are with shoes. Uh, <laughs> a couple of years ago, it's my birthday. I think when I turned 30, so this is almost five years ago now. And I'm with my brother and my dad. They're like, oh, you're, you know, you're getting old. We're standing in the garage. I'm like, no, I'm not old. I'm in great shape. You know, check this out. And we have, you know, on a garage door holder, that string that hangs down. Yeah. You so I'm like, watch this. I'm going to kick that string. Like I'm flexible. I'm strong and stable guy. So I get back, I wind up, you know, do the kick. I do an awesome roundhouse kick. Like it's clean. But right as my foot goes max up, I, my feet, my shoes had no tread on them at the time. And I slipped like Charlie Brown, you know, trying to kick the football, flip back. And so I always think of tread. And when I, I, I remember laying on the ground because it like, it hurt. And I didn't want to show them how bad it hurt. But it, I mean, it knocked the wind out of me. I'm just like, I think I broke my, all my ribs. So I'm looking at my shoes and I, I see how slick they are and they're, they're slicks on the bottom, you know? Um, and so how much more important, uh, you know, that's, that's obviously kind of a random example, but like your boots, you're out there on ice, you're out on wet rocks and things like that. If you have limited tread, 
it makes a huge, huge difference. You slip all the time. You're carrying your rifle, a bow. You've got your tree stand on your back. Like, like you said, that actually can get pretty ugly pretty quick. You think, you think about what I'm saying. You are, you, you're going into a spot. You didn't have a stand. I'm just I'm throwing my situation. I know everyone does it different. And a lot of the guys in the mobile hunting community are definitely doing it different than what I am. But when I go into an area and utilize a quick approach or setup, I'm looking at a spot that I thought I had aced and figured out, and I was 30, 40, 50 yards off, and the wind, I've got to get in there and hunt that area, and I cannot get in there to that stand, or I'm going to screw it all up. So I'll grab two or three sticks, or I'll grab three or four really sharp, easy climber screw-in steps that are like brand new and razor sharp, so I know I can just zing up there. But you think about that. You're on, we'll say that easy climber step on that boot, and that freaking leg is actually, because it's square, it's going to kind of hook on that edge. Mm -hmm. Think of the amount of leverage and pressure your body weight, right, are on those two two spots and let's take it a step farther your body weight and then it's probably making contact in an inch and a half right right that's what's really kind of holding you on that to boom keep from dropping so it's ultra important okay so this guy you know that you've you've been we've been helping here he's decided he's his boots are have holes in the side it looks like a hobo boot um so he's out looking for boots yeah. Um, when, when people are, uh, and obviously I know you're, you're Lathrop and Sons and you right. probably recommend people use your boot, but what are some simple, like, you know, principles or ideas or things to keep in mind for people when that's like, I need a new, new boot. I don't really know what to look for. I don't need know what I need, uh, you know, in terms of material or quality. So what are some helpful, you know, tips you can, you can give them looking for a new boot? You know, it is an absolutely great question, and it's something that we as a company and as product developers <clears throat> constantly rack our brain around. From a whitetail hunting standpoint, I would say that there's really two different levels that you would look at, but most importantly for the setup for a guy that's going in to hunt from October into the first part of November, right? Uninsulated, waterproof boot. And today with the technologies, companies actually putting a full-length nylon shank in the boot. That has to be number one. Number two, the guy has to identify his foot shape because when you get into a boot that has that full-length nylon shank, the lower level of nylon shank boots don't have a lot of substance to the upper of the boot. Mm. They're very accommodative. So the second part's not as important when you get into the level of our boot, where we really select components so that the boot re- retains its shape. Like yeah. you can look at our boot after a year's worth of wear and look at this other boot that has a stiff shank. And you'll see a compressed toe box, and it looks like a rag doll on top of the upper. Yeah. Not bashing any other brands. I'm just saying this is what you get, different levels. So you you have to make sure that the shape of the shoe matches the shape of the foot. 
because when you get into something that does have the stiffness and supports you when you're standing on those pegs, clearly the fit's going to be important in that boot because of its structure and rigidity to the upper right. So what I'm saying is you want technical, I'll give you technical. You want performance, I can give you performance. You better make sure that the shape of it matches your foot. If you just want a stiffer platform, so when you're putting the stand up, you can get that and you can get an EVA midsole, which will flatten out after a year. You can get an upper that's accommodated because there's no structure. It's just material sewn together. Yeah. So I'm going to say either one of those are, are great and very important, right? For the guy that's doing mountain hunting or mountain hunting or mobile hunting. I guess at the end of the day, you know, as passionate as I am with this stuff, archery specifically, mm-hmm. I just, because it's my life, it's like I'm going to get the very best that I can get. Yeah, Regardless, exactly. I just am going to do it because this is, I don't want to guess, well, why didn't I get that? <laughs> right. You know? I yeah, exactly. And it's better, but I mean, it's just like, I feel like that if I'm going to devote an entire year to pursuing just whitetail bow hunting, you just, you know, why, why would I not invest? It's the, the amount of the investment is so minimal, really, at that point when you run it out over the length of a year, your shed hunting, being able to go and pursue that specific Dear. Well, well, it's like you 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 spend all this money and time on clothes and weapons and and things that you use for part of the year, but I mean you're you're using your boots all the time, and Absolutely. you know I've used every I, and it's also part of picking a boot. I would say is knowing you know what you're spending most of your time doing. So uh, if you are are you sheep hunting? Cause that requires a very different boot, um, than it would, than if you were, you know, spot and stock mule deer or something like that. Um, one is rocky terrain one, you know, you're, you're sneaking, you're maybe on a flatter, a flatter surface. And so, you know, I've, I've tried all sorts of boots, right? I've tried everything from like Solomon's and Salewa's to Crispy's. And now actually my, I found kind of what I like in all of testing all these things and what works best for me. And it's the boot that I have right now. It's uh, you, you guys make, it's the encompass, yeah. um, which is uh, stiff, but it's somewhat flexible and it kind of helps me, you know, I've realized that I, you know, I'm not, I'm not sheep hunting every year or doing, you know, th- those types of hunts all the time, but I am whitetail hunting and going out West every year. And so how do I find a boot that will take me kind of to both of those places? And so I've kind of found, I like, somewhat stiff but a little flex in there too for for a little ability to to stock and and so on and and you know that that particular boot was developed to encompass a lot of the western hunting but still be utilized in the midwest yeah chasing whitetail um the really cool feature with that boot is It utilizes the same midsole. This takes some real effort to engineer this. The midsole of that boot is the same midsole that is put on the mountain hunter boot, mm-hmm. 
it's the same midsole that is put on the elite boot, but the outsole, not the midsole. The midsole is the polyurethane rubber between the bottom of the boot and the tread, so it's sandwiched yep. in there. That's that little, yep. It's red. That's a wider durometer. That's the firmness. The black is a harder, okay? So when you look at a cutaway of our midsole, you'll see an outline of black with red in the center of it. It's the way yep. it was designed. The reason that we utilize the urethane is it's very resilient, so it absorbs impact. It doesn't have this massive burst rebound, but it's really durable. Yeah. It's a little heavier than EVA. EVA is a very light thumb that you would see in a running shoe. Yeah. Or it's a thumb that I used to use when I was doing build-ups on shoes. I'll say this about that, you know, that and by the way, this is a common phrase that's said in my family and it drives me nuts that I just said I'll say this about that. I'm sorry to say it. Uh, but but last year I decided tried to go on a bear hunt with with boots that were that type of material. Um, and so I show up and my friend looks at my boots and it's like that there's those aren't gonna last. I'm like, no, these I these will be fine, you know. And I got halfway through the boot uh the bear hunt, um walking, I remember walking down and my boots are shredded at this point, like literally literally shredded. Um, and I had to go back into town and and buy a boot in the middle of a hunt because they were not that that tougher exterior. Literally, if you would take an EVA midsole and wear a side hill in a bunch of rocks and into a bunch of thorns like we have in the Midwest, you will look at the side and you'll see where it's just been pecked apart yep. and cut up, right? It's lightweight. It's really cheap. Like you can get soling crate. I mean, if we wanted to build our boot like that, we could cut the price on our boot, but we're not about that. That's really not what we want to do. So that encompass boot has the urethane. And then we put a softer, not too soft, but a softer compound on that encompass. And what really sets this boot apart from a lot of other boots in this category is the nylon shank in that boot is coated. It's tapered, so it's thicker in the heel. It gets a little narrower in the midfoot, and then it tapers right at the ball. And it's coated. And when it has this fiberglass coating over the top of it, it can flex, but it comes back. So right. it's resilient. Now, what you'll see with that boot that you have over time you will always have that toe spring. That toe okay. spring is the distance between the end of the boot and the surface it's resting on, okay? So if you set a boot on a table and it curves up, if you measure that now, you can pick up a boot out of a box go, wow, look at all the toe spring, look at all the toe spring. Look at it six months from now. It will have lost a half inch of toe spring. And the reason it is because that nylon as you start to use that flex, that straight nylon shank, it's just like plastic, a plastic clamshell packaging, right? You can't get into it. You don't have a knife. So you start bending it back and forth. It gets stressed. It turns white. That's what happens. Plastic. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So that actually begs the next question. Uh, so you get these new boots. You follow this, and you're talking spring and checking this out. So 
there is part of it though, where you, you want to break in your boot, right? You got to get, you get a form to your feet. And, you know, I think of when, when I was, um, you know, growing up and I played a lot of soccer and you, I'd get new cleats. I, well, I, don't, I was just always taught you take a shower with them on and you kind of wear them around after the shower outside and they form to your feet, obviously not something you're doing with your boots, but you know, when you're, when you're helping someone get ready for a hunt and everybody, everybody listening to this should know this. You don't show up to a hunt if you're going elsewhere with new boots that you've never worn before. Um, for whitetail, I mean, it's, it's equally an important thing. Um, but for, for guys who get these boots and I want to break them in and get them formed to their feet. So they're super comfortable and ready to go. Uh, what do you recommend? Well, the first thing is I think a lot of the break-in is unnecessary if you actually spoke to a professional that understands the different lasts. That's the shape that the boot is built on. So talking to a professional that can ask targeted questions to that person to determine what type of foot they have. Then we help them select the right boot. You do that a lot of times, at least with our boot and the way that we've designed it, people are able to put this boot on and be extremely comfortable in it. I know that sounds now I'm not I'm not dismissing the fact that someone should put the boot on their foot and familiarize themselves. Sure, of course. And familiarize themselves with the locking and the ball bearing hardware for, for um ease of lacing and actually customizing the lacing. But familiarizing yourself with that. I tell I told a guy on a consult today, I said, you know, you just need to put the boots on when you get them. We just need to go walking. You work in them. If you can work in them, work in them. Go shop. Run to the grocery store. You know, familiarize. Let your body start to adjust to the platform that we've got built under your feet now. Yeah. Huge. No, it's helpful to know. Um, and, and one thing that, that comes to mind, and I know at the beginning you said there's there's not one boot that will go span the whole whole hunting season right not not for white coat you can do it you can you can the western stuff i think you can push it because you are exerting so much energy through your leg sure and you're you're keeping that that body core temperature up by you know hiking and walking and you've always got food and you're snacking and um, there are those situations where those fellows are having to sit on top of a, you know, a mountain and it's 20 degrees outside and they're glassing for a long period of time. But, you know, I've got to say this too. I mean, 20 degrees out there glassing. I, I know they have brutal weather, but 20 degrees here where I'm at, that's brutal. Yeah, it is. A metal stand up there just freezing. So, you know, I would tell you, and you you probably would agree, I'll push the lace that boot as far as I can just because I believe that that protection of the soul and the midsole and just much, it's it's much more agile, you know, when you're up sure. on, you know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it is. Versus, you know, packing in, you know, with the, 
you know, whatever your flavor is. I, I've got lacrosse stuff. That's what we've used for years. But I've got Cabela's boots that look like Herman Munster boots. They're like, they make me finally six feet tall. I've always wanted to be six feet tall in my life. And like with these boots on, I am. Uh, and like they're, they're ridiculous looking, but man, they're warm. But then when you get on the platform, you just better be careful because you, I mean, I'm telling you, I've stood on the platform in those big boots before and it's like, you have to turn to look and you're just tiptoeing like this because yes. you're going to step right off the side of it. Like, you've really got to watch what you're doing in this. And, you know, we develop systems for the active style. We've got systems for the whitetail guide, the mobile hunting, you know. And then we dip into that 20, 25, 30 degrees first thing in the morning. And, you know, maybe I'm tipping it in November in an in, in, in a insulated lace-up booth. But then, then when we start hitting that, you know, Thanksgiving time, I mean. Your feet get cold. Thinking, well, I've found two things that help. I, I, you know, I'm not the expert here, but I will say this. I've tried a lot of things to keep my feet warm. So obviously you can go the, um, the, uh, like the chemical warmers, the hand warmers, uh, uh, stuff, but two things that I've been trying lately that actually have been really good. Um, first is, um, and this, uh, this, I didn't think this would work, but I tried it. Uh, I find a lot of the cold I get is from, st- I, you know, I'm saddle hunting. So I'm st- kind of, my feet are against a metal, um, uh, platform the entire time. I'll put a seat pad, like, you know, those foam seat pads you can get, get from like Walmart, cut it down. I'll tape it on when it's cold outside, having that bit of foam between the metal and your shoe, huge I difference. Believe I believe that. The other one, and we've talked about it before, I took it from, I think from, um, I can't remember who I got it from now, but I'll, I have these old wool socks that were just kind of huge and whatever. I cut the tops off and they, I could just pull them over my boot and it is ridiculous how a thin layer of, of wool around a boot can insulate it. So between those two things, like I got, I got a lot of um, performance out of the boots that I, I just like to wear because like you said, it's they're they're lighter they're more they're just what i'm used to um and and i like to not have to change it up too much if possible i I haven't gotten into the boot covers yet i know that's that's another option guys will try and i just i've not given that a go yet but i would imagine that probably helps too i would think that it would help but i also think and there's a and it's just like the big boots on a stand you know those the big over boot you know it's one of these things you better have your A game on and have yourself positioned because there's not going to be any time to <laughs> be, you know, plank rubbing them. I can just see rubbing them together and the rest. I mean, you got to do what you got to do when it gets that cold. One thing that James and I tell a lot of people that might help some of the listeners here is um, if you've got somebody that's an excessive sweater, I'm telling you. Jared's an excessive stress sweater. He's not here to say it, but I promise you his feet are always wet. Okay, so he is really, really going to be prone to cold feet, and you there's a there's several things that come along with that. So controlling the moisture buildup on the skin is key, and it is something as simple as using like a wipe. Um, you can wipe down the skin with it in between your toes. You do it every day for like a series of seven days or ten days. And then you can really monitor it like every third day 
and just do it during the hunting season. And it's the same ingredient that's in a lot of these underarm antiperspirants. It's like an aluminum chloride, and they just use a little higher percentage of it. A lot of people get freaked out about it. It's not like you're eating this stuff. You're putting them, I mean, you've been using it for years. Uh, and, and it's such a, a little bit that, I mean, it's not prescription. It's over the counter. So uh, if you're doing it during hunting season and it keeps you from soaking the inside of the boots, I mean, my God, your boots are going to dry off faster. Your boots are going to dry off faster. You're not going to be compressing the sauce. So you're going to be getting the loft. That trapped air in the sock. I mean, if you're if you're if you're saturating that sock, you're just losing all those hairy loops. Yep. You have nothing. You just got a, a damp, wet sock on your foot. Right? No, and, and you don't want a damp, wet sock. That's the like out there. That's awful, awful. It's it starts uncomfortably hot, and it goes from too hot to freezing cold so yeah, quick. Yeah. There's no middle, almost no yeah, middle. You can feel it coming on. You just you you know what it's like. You go out there when it's 15, 20 degrees, and I'll go in and, you know, climb up into my stand, and and I mean brutal stuff, and I know in my head, this is cold. Like, it's 10 yeah. degrees outside. I'm talking mega dry air. Like, we don't normally have this kind of cold. Like, this is seriously cold. And you, you get up there, and you put your bow hanger up, and you hang your bow, and you're like, all right. You put your hand in the into your little muff and you kind of sit there for a minute like oh man my hands are sweating you kind of pull them out and you're like eh, i need to monitor this yeah i need to monitor i'm going to go in for a little bit come out and just kind of let things start cooling off and, and it is it's kind of like that you're up and then you're down and then you yeah. just, it's like you're you're timing it you just you've got to get this far and and unfortunately when it's really good like that you actually, when I hit that late season like that, I try to push it so I don't have to sit there as long because I can't take it, right? Sure, right. You just can't take it. But the problem when it gets that good, you can't get there late because they're actually coming out. They'll come out and eat and then go back in. They'll come back out and eat again. Yeah. You know? You got to be out there. Well, and like with boots, you, you, you can't shed a layer. Like if you got you know your clothes like you go in light you almost could try to go in cold and you bulk up when you get out there to let your body warm up rather than try to cool down and so you, you don't always have that option with boots because you're not you're there's no, no you're not unzipping a layer as you go did you, did you ever try this one no i personally haven't i'll ask you did you ever have a situation late season, really cold, that you actually had to walk in a greater distance and stripped off your boots and your socks, wet socks, put new socks on, then put your boots back on? Kind of, I've never done. That. I, I've never. I, I don't sweat I that much. Doing that. I had a buddy that was doing it. He he did, and I know how far. I know how far he had to walk to get into the stand that he was hunting because I had. Filled my tag for that year and or filled one of them and it was like I wasn't sweating at any. And I went in with him one in a November hunt and uh, I know how far he had to walk to get in. It's just like the depth of 80 acres almost, yeah, 60 acres, something like that. It was a long walk to get back in there. And 
he was changing out his socks when he got to the base of the stand. It makes sense. I mean, if you have to, if that, if you get that those kind of feet, like, why not? You know, was, I actually he was hunting. You know, the end of December, January, the first of January. You know, because yeah. Illinois goes. I, I forget what it is. It goes into January a little bit. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Some of those spots. Yeah, and it gets. I mean, that's brutal cold. Um, so you, you need more on your feet for that. Well, that's awesome. Well, Stephen, we're, we're coming up on time here. I mean, I think we, we've covered a lot of the basics and that's what I wanted to get, get people um, kind of aware of. These are the things that, you know, when you're thinking about your boots going into the season, how do you maintain them? How do you see if it's time for a change? If it is, how do you pick them out? How do you break them in? And, and how do you deal with cold weather? Um, so if anybody has any questions, um, I would actually recommend just reaching out to Stephen. Uh, you know, when we first met, it was because of that was what I was doing. I, I kind of reached out to you with some boot questions and and we hit it off. But um, for anybody who has any questions, go check them out. It's at Lathrop and Sons on um, on Instagram. If you, you Google it, there's, I mean, it's it's very easy to find. And I found that you guys are incredibly uh, reactive and, and willing to, to hop on the phone and, and um, help people. Wonderful. All right. Well, thanks again, everybody. And we'll, uh, we'll look forward to next week. We've got a, a really exciting episode on, um, and some, actually I'm not even going to give it away. It's going to be a surprise, but, uh, we got a, a really cool guy we haven't had on the podcast yet coming. So we'll see you then. Hey everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode. We really do appreciate it. If you want to go on to any kind of social media platform, give us a like, share, subscribe, you know, it really help us out. Keeps the train rolling. And if you guys really like what you're listening here, give us a five-star Either way, if, even if you don't like it. Even if you don't like review. it, five stars. That'd Helps cool. everyone out. We'll see you out there.